Welcome to The Socialist Program. This is the audio of our monthly seminar. Subscribe and support this programming at patreon.com slash the socialist program to join live once a month and ask Brian Becker your questions and listen to them as soon as they come out. Thanks so much for your help in keeping this independent show going. We can make this program with you, but not without you. As always, want to really, really thank everyone for joining today. For those of you who sent in questions, thank you. But for people who are just supporting the show, both financially and also by joining this, by listening, just really, really appreciate it. You know, we truly could not do this show without you. That's not just a, a fun thing to say. That is the actual truth. And so we're just really, really thankful to to have all of you as a community and to to have so many supporters for the show and for the work that we're doing. And we know a lot of you are are out there, you know, organizing, reading, talking to people, making change as well. And so this is just such a special place. We really, really couldn't do this without you. Brian, do you have something you wanted to say to start or do you want to go straight into questions? No, I, I do want to talk about a couple of things in the beginning. And again, thank you to all the patrons. You are the people who allow the show to happen. This is indeed a collective effort. I'm involved. Nicole's involved. Walter, Esther. John Preisner, our sound engineer, you know, after every recording, John Preisner spends many, many hours editing. And then there's the posting the show in different social media platforms, on different podcasting platforms, in some cases on YouTube. It's a big endeavor and we can't do it without the collective. So each of us plays a different role. The patrons, the people who subscribe are like the other parts of this collective, indispensable, in fact. And so for those of you who are doing your part, thank you very much. For those of you who might hear the preview of this show and won't hear the entire show because it's a patrons-only show, but want to show your support, it's not too late. Go to patreon.com forward slash the socialist program and subscribe. Again, we can't do it actually without you. I want to talk about the latest developments in the Ukraine war and then open and take people's questions and address questions. Some have already been prepared. Most of them are extremely important questions. We want to be able to have a far ranging conversation about them. But there's a couple of things that I want to start off with. There's breaking news. We're recording this show on November 28th, Monday. It'll be released on podcast platforms Tuesday morning. Here's breaking news. Major news outlets urge U.S. to drop its charges against Assange. In a joint letter, news organizations warn that the indictment of Julian Assange sets a dangerous precedent, that's in quotes, that could chill reporting about matters of national security. I'm going to read the first two paragraphs. This is the New York Times released this morning. The New York Times and four European news organizations called on the United States government to drop its charges against Julian Assange, the WikiLeaks founder, for obtaining and publishing classified diplomatic and military secrets. In a joint open letter, the Times, The Guardian, Le Monde, Der Spiegel, and El País said the prosecution of Mr. Assange under the Espionage Act, quote, sets a dangerous precedent, close quote, that threatened to undermine the First Amendment and the freedom of press. 
And then finally, quote, obtaining and disclosing sensitive information when necessary in the public interest is a core part of the daily work of journalists. If that work is criminalized, our public discourse and our democracies are made significantly weaker. I can't say, Nicole, how important this is for Julian's case. I mean, it's in a way a tragedy and a bit of a farce that these major news organizations, including the New York Times and The Guardian, the UK paper, which you know used Julian and WikiLeaks materials and made them front page stories and won awards for their coverage of the material published by WikiLeaks, none of which is untrue, all of which is true. They have remained basically silent in the last couple of years while Julian is essentially tortured. The UN ruled that he was the subject of arbitrary detention in the Ecuadorian embassy. Then he was seized during the Trump administration and brought to Belmarsh prison. He's been in that prison now for more than three years. The Biden administration has continued with Trump's efforts to extradite Julian Assange and bring him and charge him under the Espionage Act for publishing true materials, even though he's not a U.S. citizen, he's Australian. They've been remarkably silent, cowardly, tail between their legs up until now. But with that said, we do welcome this event. We do welcome the publication, the sending of this joint letter by these five media organizations. Julian Assange must be freed. Julian Assange has told the truth. When you think about what happened to Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, earlier Aaron Schwartz, who, when he tried to and did make JSTOR research materials available online, he was sentenced to 35 years in prison, after which he committed suicide, young man at that time in his 20s. When you think about the immense prosecution and persecution of truth tellers, we have to stand with them. Anyway, I'm very happy. This is breaking news. We'll talk about it more in upcoming shows. There have been lots of activities on October 8th, again in November. There's actions all over the world, days of action. We urge everyone to join a protest in your area to support the freedom of Julian Assange. I want to also mention before we get started on Ukraine that Richard Wolf, who is our guest, on our show that comes out every Wednesday, the biggest stories in the economy, Marxist professor Richard Wolf. Richard is traveling starting now, starting this week and through December. So there will not be a Wednesday episode of the show while he's gone. He will be back with us at the beginning of January, which sounds like a far long time away. It's not, it's five weeks, but Richard Wolf will be back. But when you don't hear him this week and don't hear him next week and then those following weeks, no, it's a temporary measure because he is traveling. But again, it's just a reminder of how important all of these shows are. We want to keep this show, our show, and all of our episodes on the air. Another important development, John Preisner, who is our sound engineer, who I mentioned earlier, is also, like all of us, an organizer and an activist, and he's going to be traveling over the next period. He's moving to the South, and he's moving to South Carolina. He lives in Los Angeles right now, but he's going to join 
the efforts to organize workers and low-income workers in southern states that's picking up momentum. We see it in the Amazon organizing drive, the formation of this new union of southern workers, of low-wage workers in the south that was just formed. We announced some of that last week in our where Eugene Perrier had just come back from the inaugural event there. We announced it at the webinar, the public forum that we had on Ukraine last week that featured Noam Chomsky and Vijay Prashad and Dr. Jill Stein. Anyway, John is going to be traveling. We'll have a substitute sound engineer for a week. We wish him the very, very best. Again, we could not do this show without the amazing professional work of John Preisner. I mean, we finish at a certain point, but John spends hours on each episode. Again, because we had established in the beginning that what's very important to us is to have very professional, high production quality standards for the show. The socialist program needs high production quality, and we want it to be able to thrive and grow, and that's part of the process. So Big shout out to John Preisner and best in his endeavors going to the South. There's a couple new books coming out. There's a book that'll be coming out, Time to Coincide with the Oral Arguments of the Supreme Court on the Moore v. Harper case. I wrote a short book. It's based on a longer speech that I made a few months ago. It's called The Supreme Court versus Democracy. That book will be out in about December 9th or 10th, we'll establish a, a pre-order system so that people can get it and get it just about the time that the oral arguments are taking place in that very, very important Supreme Court case. And finally, in our upcoming shows, we're going to be talking about the truth about the protests and the failure of the Western media to truthfully talk about what's going on inside of Iran. There's a huge international disinformation campaign. We're going to talk with Iranian speakers about what's actually going on in Iran. And we have another major show coming up on climate catastrophe and global warming. With that said, I want to talk about Ukraine real quick, and then we'll open the floor. Nicole, I'm looking at the headlines from this week. Wall Street Journal, Ukraine's appetite for weapons is straining Western stockpiles. I think everyone is now sufficiently worried, a NATO official said. Here's a second headline. This is from Newsweek. Russia is running out of ammo. How much longer can it keep fighting? Here's CNN. U.S. is running low on some weapons and ammunition to transfer to Ukraine. ABC from a couple of weeks ago, U.S. ammunition supplies dwindle as Ukraine war drains stockpiles. And then from June, a similar article, but is with the same sort of urgency about more and more ammunition. New York Times, shortage of artillery ammunition saps Ukrainian frontline morale. That was back in June. Then the other stories were about how morale is so high for the Ukrainian army. My point, and I think the thing that we should be realizing, is that President Obama insisted that European countries pay at least 2% of their national budgets on military spending. And then when Donald Trump became president in 2017, he took the demand by Obama, which was not strictly enforced, 
and started whipping the European countries, you must increase your military spending. You must spend at least 2% of your national budget for war, for death and destruction. And then the U.S. media said, well, Donald Trump isn't being nice to the NATO allies, but he was basically just insisting that they carry out the demand that Obama, the Obama administration had put on Europe to increase, not decrease military spending. And now we have the Ukraine war and we have this running mantra that we're running out of ammunition. The danger is so great. Well, the reality is this war could be ended. This war doesn't need more ammunition. This war actually could be ended if you care about Ukrainians instead of figuring out how to send more and more artillery, more and more munitions to keep the war going. The other way to go is to have genuine good faith negotiations with Russia about Russia's demand that Ukraine not become part of NATO and that Ukraine not be used as a staging ground for advanced weapons that target Russia. That would be another way to go. But you see the whole nature of the U.S. media presentation here is that the problem is not failure to negotiate. The problem is we might be running low on ammunition. The war is escalating, everybody. The war is escalating. Russia is escalating its missile strikes. The infrastructure is hitting the people in Ukraine very hard. The absence of electricity, the absence of home heating as we go into the winter months. Also, poor people in Europe, throughout Europe, not just in Ukraine, are going to be suffering. Why not make the priority to be negotiations and an end to this kind of human suffering? You don't have to be a supporter of the Russian government to see that the other way, the way towards ending the war rather than escalating the war, which is what the U.S. is doing right now and Russia is doing, is a path to more human suffering. Why is Russia escalating? Because the U.S. military is coordinating in all ways the Ukrainian military forces operations against Russia. And they have succeeded in some measure. The counteroffensives have succeeded in some measure. Not completely, not as much as has been presented in the media, but clearly the U.S. strategy, the Biden administration strategy, driven by Blinken and Jake Sullivan and the other neocons, is to win the war against Russia. Not to negotiate, not to end the war, but to win the war. And Russia is determined not to lose the war. Russia is faced with what it considers to be, and we've said this a million times now, an existential threat. Russia is militarily capable of not losing, even if it's not able to win. Meaning, if Russia used, let's say, shock and awe tactics the way the U.S. did at the beginning of the Iraq war and knocked out everything, the U.S. knocked out electricity, it knocked out the sewage system, it knocked out clean water, it just did shock and awe destruction. That was the U.S. military strategy. As, as Noam Chomsky said in our seminar last week, the Russians up till now have not adopted the U.S. and British military tactics of this shock and awe, overwhelming power. But now Russia is escalating because Russia, having not succeeded 
in the beginning. And by success, I think what they wanted to do, of course, was to create a government in Ukraine made up of those parties in Ukraine. And they were many, many people in Ukraine who wanted neutral or good relations with Russia rather than war with Russia. The Russians thought the Zelensky government would crumble and that there would be a sort of neutral or pro-Russian government of Ukrainians that would come into power in Kiev. That did not happen. Then the Americans, the U.S. government, the NATO powers decided now we can win. And so they they launched these massive counteroffensives against Russia using very advanced weapons that the Ukrainian military has been trained in. Russia, realizing it's not winning the war, is determined not to lose the war, and so they're escalating. But what is the Russian strategy here? The escalation is designed to negotiate. They want to bring the parties in the U.S. and NATO who, up until now, want victory only and not negotiations, who have said no to negotiations over and over again. They want to bring them back to the table. Anyway, it's a terrible war. It's a tragic war, a cruel war. But if you care about Ukrainians and Russians, and if you care about peace, and if you want to avoid nuclear war, the U.S. media, with its headlines, we need more and more and more munitions, is the wrong direction. The real direction must be genuine, good faith negotiations. Anyway, shout out to everyone who helped us make last week's seminar at the People's Forum such a big success. It was co-sponsored by the Answer Coalition and the People's Forum Many thousands, more than 10,000, maybe tens of thousands of people have now watched that webinar online in addition to the standing room only crowd that we had. Again, we're organizing additional anti-war actions in the coming weeks. Anyway, with that said, Nicole, let's go to our questions. That's all for this preview. If you'd like access to the rest of this seminar and our entire archive of exclusive seminars with Brian Becker, become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We are an independent show and we cannot make this programming without you. Thanks so much for your support.